0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Piers Edwards and by Stuart Weir in the UK on the show this week. And this week we look ahead to the Africa Cup of Nations final with the host Cote d'Ivoire playing Nigeria on Sunday in Abidjan. Our after a thrilling quarter-final and semi-final stage. We speak to Super Eagles and Nottingham Forest wing-back Ola Aina, who missed his spot kick in the semi-final shootout.
1: Could have been a tough one, but nevertheless, you know, that's in a past now. You look forward, and <laughs> if it comes to it again, I will be taking another one, so <laughs> that's just me.
0: That's coming up later. Also, we ask if this was the best Nations Cup ever, and we have Stuart on the English Premier League and Chelsea's challenges. So it's the host Cote d'Ivoire against Nigeria in Sunday's final of the Africa Cup of Nations in Abidjan, uh, rounding off four weeks of superb entertainment. Uh, Wednesday's semi-finals were dramatic and gripping. Sebastian Haller scoring with a scrappy goal as Cote d'Ivoire beat the DR Congo 1-0. Remember, Cote d'Ivoire had sacked uh, coach Jean-Louis Gasset, the Frenchman, uh, before they scraped through to the group stage later on that very day. They needed late goals against both Sem- Enigle and Mali to progress into the last four. But interim coach Emir Fai turned it around and is on the verge of winning the title with the Elephants. Uh, meanwhile, Nigeria beat South Africa 4 2 on penalties after a one-one draw after extra time. William Trouste Kong put the Super Eagles ahead with a second half penalty. Uh, Nigeria thought they were 2 0 up with the Victor Ossiemen strike, but the VAR took play back to an incident at the other end and gave South Africa a penalty, which Teboho Mokwena converted in the ninetieth minute. No goals in extra time and Kalechi Yanachu got the winning penalty in the shootout for the Super Eagles. Well, I'm joined by Piers Edwards, my colleague on the CAF commentary team for the tournament. Uh, Piers was covering games in Yamoussoukro Sucro and Bouaké and is now back in the UK. Uh, so, Piers, that feeling that Côte d'Ivoire maybe seemed destined to win this tournament uh, is still there, would you say? Uh, well, absolutely. I would say that it
2: does seem like a destiny that Ivory Coast are going to win this competition. How else can you explain all the extraordinary things... That have happened to the team since the end of the group stage. Where, let's not forget, they suffered the first home defeat of a host nation in the tournament for well over a decade. Before then, in their final group game against Equatorial Guinea, the Elephants suffered not only their biggest ever home defeat, but their biggest ever Nations Cup defeat to the tune of 4-0 by Equatorial Guinea. Uh, And then they were clinging on, holding on. If Mozambique hadn't scored two late stoppage time goals against Ghana... In the end of their respective group, uh, the Ivorians would have been out. If Morocco had not beaten Zambia and Zambia had got a point, then the Zambians would have been through at the expense of Ivory Coast. Into the knockout phase, they went four minutes from time in their round of 16 game against the Senegalese. They were almost going out until they equalised. And then the quarterfinals against Mali, and they left it even later. A 90th minute equaliser to draw level, having played... For at least a half of that stage with only 10 men. When I say at least a half, as in one whole half, then in the 122nd minute of extra time, they got their winner having played over an hour with just 10 men. Absolutely extraordinary. And what was also extraordinary was the noise inside the stadium in Bouake against Mali in that quarter final. It was simply unreal. They did not stop getting behind their team. From the moment that Kosunu had been sent off just before the uh, halftime break. And then they just backed and backed and backed. And when Adingra equalised in the 90th minute, wow, some noise really, really was. And then there was a beautiful moment uh, as extra time sort of loomed when all the crowd sang this song. And you could just hear the noise, the passion, the further the spirit really is is the word that leaps out. How they were rewarded, and what a moment it was for them when Diakite flicked home, and then again the noise levels, something else really will stay with me for many a year. Into the semi final they went, and for once they made things a bit easier for themselves. One nil they wanted, of course. Alaire's goal midway through the second half, even that was an unorthodox bouncing into the ground and over the goalkeeper. But it was a much more measured display, a much more composed display. And whatever you've got to say about this Ivorian team, the quality has always been there. It's just the belief wasn't. And this is something that M S Faye, the interim coach, has absolutely superbly managed to bring out of his side. He said that one of the first things he said to the players was to remind them of their quality, to tell them they had all the ability to go far in the competition all the way to the final and win it. And he's been absolutely superb. His use of the bench has been unbelievable. Every single game he's played, he's used five substitutes in the 90 minutes, the, the maximum allocation. And uh, how they have rewarded him the first uh, two knockout games, all the goals were scored by substitutes. And then Alaire, who he gave his first start, delivered the knockout blow. So it, an absolute triumph for them. And um, they really, really believe they can now do it. And obviously winning it in the Alessandro Matara Stadium, where they were humbled 4-0, by the Aquato-Guineans is really important for the Ivorians as they go into Sunday's final. As for DR Congo, well, they played well, but they failed to really land any knockout blows whatsoever on the Ivorians. And that was um, because they just couldn't trouble Yahia Fafana in goal. It was just one deflected effort, really, that he had to save. And that was very powder puff by the time he got to him. So they made their chances. They just couldn't take them. They were compact. You've got to give huge credit to coach Sebastian de Sabre for moulding this Congolese side into a really efficient unit. He's done an absolutely terrific job. And it'll be absolutely uh, fascinating to see how the third place playoff on Saturday night goes against uh, South Africa. And let's not forget as well the protest made by the team using the spotlight, the global spotlight of football to shine attention on uh, the appalling conflict in the eastern region of uh, DR Congo one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world or crises in the world according to the United Nations which has led to the displacement of nearly 7 million people so good that football is being used for for a much wider uh, brief and uh, you got to congratulate the Congolese players all round
0: yeah, sure. So DR Congo will play South Africa in the third place match uh, on Saturday. Uh, thanks, Piers. Uh, stay with us. Uh, so the Nigeria-South Africa semi-final was another incredible game as Nigeria thought they had gone 2-0 up through Victor Ossimen. But uh, as I say, VAR took a play back to an earlier incident in that move and gave South Africa a penalty and it went to a shootout. Super Eagles a game away from a fourth title and Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloesh Sheena spoke to Super Eagles and Nottingham Forest wing-back Ola Aina, who missed in that shootout. Yeah,
1: that was always the belief. I think everyone knew that was our goal and we worked hard for it, so
3: it's not a surprise that
1: we're, we're finally there.
3: You are not surprised. The world is surprised because Nigeria plays you know, flamboyant football, attacking football and all that, but you've had to change your tactics, formation, even the way you play. And people are saying... This is not the Super Eagles. It's a completely different team. But you are in the finals. Yeah, you know, it's tournament football. You have to adapt
1: to different situations. So I still feel at times we've played some some good football in parts of the game, in different games. So there's still that um, trace of the flamboyant Nigerian football that people do know. But ultimately, it's... Um, we we've, we've adapted to our situation and our and this tournament so that's why that's why
3: we're we're in the position we're right now. Take me through this man. Mm-hmm. In twenty eighteen you couldn't go to the World Cup. In twenty nineteen you had a disappointing outcome by your own standards because you wanted to win it, mm-hmm. you end up with a medal. Mm-hmm. Now you are close to the trophy and right immortality in the history of Nigerian football. How do you feel? I still I feel the same. I feel the same. Obviously
1: the disappointments of not going to the World Cup was It was a big blow for me because I really thought I deserved to go but nevertheless you know things happen and then in 2019 we was going through transition with you know players in in and out of the team and finding the best 11 and whatnot and with all of that we still you know got to the semi-final still got to the semi-finals and We had a great campaign, which I thought we could have, we could have won that one also, but obviously it was it was disappointing. We we got knocked out, but it was it was it was a good eye opener for myself and obviously the the team. And then being here now in the in the final is just um, I think it's a testament to our hard work over the years. You know, I feel like. It could have come, it could have came earlier. The last AFCON, I
3: feel like we could have gone all the way also, but it just wasn't meant to be. So maybe this is just the right time. The roller coaster against South Africa. I mean, you guys thought you are 2-0 up only for you to consider penalty. And then again, in the shootout, you, I could place my house on you scoring. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I know the,
1: we went to you know what, me, me myself, I knew, I knew that was going to call it back. So I knew, but it, this is football, man. This is a roller coaster, and South Africa's arguably the best team we've played this um, in this Afcon. Very good, good team, and yeah, even me, I could put, I could put my money on it. I could put my house on it. I could put everything on it that you know I would have scored my penalty normally. Um, you know, I put my penalties away. Normally, I'm really good at them. I back myself as all, well, but someone had to miss and. Unfortunately it, it was me So And the white celebration In the dressing room You said Oh this guy saved me Yeah yeah The boys The boys actually Saved me man And uh, and um, My belly saved me as well. <laughs> Saved all of us So I'm just grateful To God for, I'm just grateful To God for that Because it Could have been A tough one But Nevertheless You know That's in the past now We look forward And <laughs> If it comes to
3: it again I will be taking another one So <laughs> That's just me what would it mean for you your family to lift the afghan yeah just, that's
1: that's what i want to want to do you know um to lift the afghan would be amazing to write your name in history and a fourth title for nigeria would be amazing i think it's a long time coming so it would be amazing for you know the nation to get the fourth the fourth one and really stamp some some dominance because we do have that over africa um,
3: so yeah, it'll be it'll be great, and you know, hopefully we 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 can do it. You often say to me, you're a Christian boy, you're not a regular church goer, but you have strong faith mm-hmm. in God. How much of an influence do you think some of the things that have been going on in this tournament? You look at the finalists, I mm-hmm. Coast, and yourself, mm-hmm. and the whole thing that's going on. God in your word, Christianity, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ in your life. How much of an impact does that play in your career?
1: Yeah, I think it's is is at the front of everything that I do anyway, I think having faith and having God in your corner is something that it surpasses anything anything tactical, anything physical um doesn't matter how good you are at football, how bad you are at football whatever I feel like if he's in the center of everything then who who can come against that so for me, it's very important to you know give glory,
3: give praise. In all in all situations. So
1: yeah.
3: And I hope on Sunday you'll be celebrating and giving God the glory for success. Yeah, I think I think God I think God sees our hearts. I think I think that's that's what's gonna happen.
0: Well that is Nigeria and Nottingham Forest wing back Ola Aina speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Olawashina Okaleji. Uh, more on Nigeria shortly and also whether this has been the best ever edition of the Africa Cup of Nations. This is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on X at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. We've got some AFCON blogs there. Uh, There's AFCON, the day of the underdog, looking at how we can draw inspiration from the many upsets at the tournament. Also, uh, one called uh, team players back each other and find a way to win. Uh, Look at the benefits of teamwork in life. Uh, That's on our website, planetsport.tv. And you go to the blog section. So it's Cote d'Ivoire against Nigeria in Sunday's final of the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, Still with me Piers Edwards, my colleague on the CAF commentary team for the tournament. Uh, Piers was uh, covering matches in Yamoussoukro and in Buake. And the Nigeria-South Africa semi-final was an incredible game there. Uh, The Super Eagles now just one match away from a fourth title. And their Portuguese coach Jose Pesero was unpopular with the fans going into the tournament. Yes, and
2: you've got to say, what a fantastic job uh, they've done so far Nigeria in Ivory Coast and you've got to give huge credit as well to the coach Pizarro. so many times in Nations Cups gone by or even World Cups uh, people have lamented the fact that the Nigerian team often seems a collection of individuals and not a team. Well, on this uh, occasion, yes, they are still a collection of very talented individuals, but they've been absolutely moulded into one harmonious unit. Just look at the way the reigning African Footballer of the Year, Victor Ozaman, the star striker, of course, works so hard for the team. Uh, does not stop running, does not stop running to press to Harry or to make runs in the channels or the flanks to give an outlet to his players. He's not being rewarded whatsoever in terms of his goal tally. He's been very unlucky with some VAR decisions as well, but he's not going to mind if they win the final on Sunday night. Uh, and he's been an absolute sight to behold. So too, the defence, very, very strong. The likes of Trusta Kong and Ajayi in front of, obviously, the goalkeeper Stanley Nwabali who is really, really impressed, as have the flanks, uh, Lukman and uh, Moses Simon. And in the middle, Frank and Yako's has done very, very well as well. But uh, terrific stuff from Nigeria. They've looked hungry as well, which isn't always a, an adjective you would throw their way in previous tournaments. They can be a bit lackadaisical. They can be very slow in their build up. This is anything but. This is a much higher paced, higher gear nigerian team and um and they're really good to watch as well and if they were to win it they would be absolutely worthy winners for the way in which they've gone about their business hugely professional and it's been a very smooth ride which has uh not always been the way as said uh, in previous nigerian campaigns as for south africa well you've also got to play a huge amount of credit as well to their coach ugo bros the uh, the Belgian who's been in uh, coaching for over half a century uh, and a man who won uh, Belgian titles back in the early 90s, obviously took Cameroon to the Nations Cup uh, triumph of 2017. And he's brought all his experience and moulded a team that I don't think many people would have expected to get as nearly as far as they have done into a cohesive unit. He has shown guile wisdom and pragmatism in selecting the majority of his players from Mamelodi Sundowns, the South African club that won the African Football League in its inaugural edition last year, got to the semi-finals of last year's CAF Champions League as well. They know each other, they've got experience on the continent and we've not always seen that from South African clubs. Uh, in African domestic football, they haven't travelled so well, but things have changed there in recent years, and this has been reflected in their team and in the likes of, have you say, uh, Tabocho Makwena who who converted that penalty. Well, what a display he's put in in the competition absolutely outstanding obviously the goalkeeper Ronwin Williams as well grabbed a lot of headlines too but it's been across the the park as well for them a very very solid unit and they gave Nigeria a really hard game and in the words of the Nigeria coach Pizarro afterwards he said look we deserve to win but so too did the South Africans and I think that tells you everything you need to know about their performance in the semi-final and throughout this competition
0: Yes, and uh, the South Africa goalkeeper Wen Williams, a historic and astonishing four saves in that penalty shootout against Cape Verde in the quarterfinals. Uh, one of many memorable moments uh, of this Nations Cup uh, and appears the best AFCON ever has been said many times over the past three weeks as we have been dazzled and entertained uh, and astonished sometimes. Uh, how highly would you rate this edition? Well, Steve, that is a, a great question and one I'm delighted to answer. My first Nations Cup was way
2: back in 1998, a half a lifetime ago for me um, in Burkina Faso. And I've been to nine now with the one in Ivory Coast, uh, obviously the last, but not the last in any stretch of imagination in terms of quality, but the absolute best without any shadow of a doubt. First of all, we got to praise the organisers, the Ivory Coast. They have put a lot of money into this competition and and into the infrastructure of the country. We know that they had the two civil wars between 2002 and 2011, and the Ivorian government, led by the President Alassane Ouattara, a former employee of the International Monetary Fund, certainly saw this as an opportunity to rebuild the country, and they've been, as good as their word, ploughing in billions of dollars, not just to the stadiums, but also, as said, into the infrastructure. So we've had a very smooth ride. The only problems, the ticketing, I can see, are the ticketing, as said, I don't think that's worked particularly well. And then the poor pitch at the Alessandro Wattara Stadium, which was always a problem, even in the run-up to the tournament, compounded them by having the opening ceremony on it. Those are the negatives. The positives are, without any shadow of a doubt, the football, the games we've seen... Absolutely superb performances across the park. I'm thinking the likes of Angola, Mauritania. That was a a clash I saw actually between those sides in Boacay. What a game that was. Mauritania were absolutely brilliant. Superb to watch. Really exciting. They deserved everything they got from their coach, uh, Amir Abdu. And there were performances all across the park. There were superb goals. Probably the pick of uh, the best for me, Kevin Pina. For Cape Verde, that stunning strike that he delivered from about 30 yards. And just the quality of the whole tournament was helped enormously by the standard of the pitches provided by the local organisers. So it's an all-round affair. But finally, the people who also have to praise is the fans in the Ivory Coast, because for the first time... In Cameroon, I'd say two years ago, we saw supporters coming out to watch matches which did not involve the host nation. You just have to think back to Egypt in 2019, when just literally hundreds of people attended games, as we've seen in so, so many Nations Cups in the past. That all changed, began to, in Cameroon two years ago, where I would say you were getting crowds of just under 50% full for many of the games not involving the hosts. But in Ivory Coast this time around, there have been fantastic stadiums, wonderfully attended by so, so many fans, creating wonderful atmospheres. The organizers of this Tournament said they wanted to create the best Nations Cup ever, and I think because of a whole variety of things, not the ticketing I said, but everything else, I would say that they have probably managed to do that, certainly in living memory. I cannot speak about the ones in the early years, but I'd be very surprised if any of them saw a higher standard of football and more uh, better attended games. And uh, we've seen so many years, the quality of African football just rise and rise and rise. And this has absolutely been the pinnacle. And let's now hope we get a final to be the cherry on the icing on the cake on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Thanks there to Piers Edwards, my colleague on the uh, CAF official television commentary team, and asking for your thoughts on social media this week. Was this the best Africa Cup of Nations ever? Uh, From the group stage onwards, there has been talk of this possibly being the best ever Nations Cup uh, because of the thrilling matches, uh, the hosts somehow reaching the final, uh, good pitches, as Piers says, and good organisation. So it's certainly been memorable. How would you rate this edition? And has it been the best ever? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Was this the best Africa Cup of Nations ever? Right now, let's go to the English Premier League and joined by Stuart Weir in the UK, our European football expert, and a Manchester City looming large now, Stuart.
4: Yes, indeed, Steve. Manchester City looking strong, but I want to start actually just with an overview. Last weekend, we had 10 Premier League games, 41 goals in all of them. And this is really the most unpredictable Premier League season I can remember. In the top game, Arsenal beat Liverpool 3-1, but the game was decided by a big mistake by Liverpool goalkeeper Alisson, one of the best in the Premier League. He came out of his goal, completely missed the ball, and left Martinelli with a tap-in. In fact, Alisson, to be fair, had a poor game and was, I thought, at fault with all three goals. But it would be too simple to blame him. Liverpool were without Mo Salah, and Darwin Nunes, and you could see their lack of firepower. They had only one shot and target in the whole game. When the two teams met in the FA Cup a few weeks ago, and Liverpool won, I said a lot was down to the tactical adjustments made by Jürgen Klopp, but last Sunday it was the reverse, with Mikel Arteta getting his tactics and substitutions spot on and dominating the game, and the much maligned Kai Havertz who will certainly never be a 30-goal-a-season Premier League striker, but he works tirelessly and creates space for the others. Now, just going back to Allison for a moment, I saw some interesting statistics of goalkeepers who've played more than 120 games in the Premier League. The one who's made the most errors leading to goals is Everton's Jordan Pickford with 13 errors in 200 games, David De Gea, 11 errors in 170 games. And then there are three goalkeepers who have made an error leading to a goal on 10 occasions, including Alisson. And what's really interesting is that six of Alisson's 10 errors have come in games against top six clubs. But with Liverpool losing, Manchester City closed the gap. City were actually a goal down at Brentford, but then three goals from Phil Foden gave them a comfortable victory. Liverpool are still top, two points ahead of Arsenal, five points ahead of Manchester City and Aston Villa, but City have a game in hand. Aston Villa won 5-0 away at Sheffield United, and it could have been worse for Sheffield as Villa scored their fifth goal in the 47th minute before seeming to take their foot off the gas. And now the four teams above Sheffield United, Burnley, Everton, Luton Town and Nottingham Forest, all drew. Luton drew 4-4 at Newcastle. They led 4-2, but then two late goals by uh, Newcastle gave them the draw. And what about Brighton, Beaten 4-0 in their last game, and then they win 4-1 against Crystal Palace? Whatever you say, watching Brighton is not dull. Chelsea lost at home to Wolves 4-2. That leaves Chelsea 11th in the Premier League. In the bottom half of the table, having lost more games in the league than they've won, one billion dollars worth of players, and they, most of them look misfits. Incredibly, this week, manager Maurizio Pochettino said, we need time, we are building from zero. And for all their spending, Pochettino says that he does not have 14 players who are playing at the right level. Even Tiago Silva's wife got involved, tweeting, Time for a change. Now, the owner, Todd Boyley, may be a good businessman, but he looks totally lost in the football club. And it's not a new problem at Chelsea, because in the last 30 years, Chelsea have had 19 head coaches. Only four of them lasted as long as 80 league games. Ten of those Chelsea managers lasted no more than a season. You know, so many problems at all levels for Chelsea. Now, Steve, then on Wednesday night, Chelsea go out and win at Aston Villa in the FA Cup, meaning that as well as being in the League Cup final, they are now in the last 16 of the FA Cup. So perhaps Chelsea can salvage something from their season in cups. And, of course, it never stops, as you say, Steve, because on Saturday we've got Manchester... City at home to Everton. Liverpool at home to Burnley. And at the bottom of the table Luton at home to Sheffield United. Then Sunday Arsenal go to West Ham. That could be tricky. And Aston Villa play Manchester United. And if United lose that, it's going to be hard for them to get a top four place as they're slipping further down. And on Monday, Crystal Palace and Chelsea, neither in good form. Anyone could win that one. And don't think it stops there because Tuesday we're into the Champions League Copenhagen at home to Manchester City, Leipzig play Real Madrid and on Wednesday Lazio play Bayern Munich Paris Saint-Germain, Real Sociedad and then there'll be another weekend with more Premier League games Steve.
0: Yeah, all this football never ends indeed. And uh, Stuart, the international transfer window closing a few days ago.
4: Well, A very quiet transfer window Steve Eleven clubs, including Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea and Manchester United, did not sign one player. Nottingham Forest, Luton, Sheffield United and Brentford all spent less than $10 million. And really, there are very few big signings. I mean, Manchester City signed Claudio Echeverri from River Plate in Argentina for $16 million. Brighton signed Valentin Barco from Boca Juniors in Argentina for about $11 million. Aston Villa signed Morgan Rogers from Middlesbrough, 11 million. Tottenham had the most expensive signing. Radu Dragusin, a Romanian from Genoa, for 30 million dollars. And Crystal Palace signed Adam Wharton, 25 million from Blackburn Rovers. But really no standard signings at all, Steve. Well, thanks a lot,
0: Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So the Africa Cup of Nations final is on Sunday. Looking forward to it so much. Cote d'Ivoire against Nigeria. The third and fourth place playoff on Saturday. South Africa against DR Congo. From Eastie, Vickers in Zimbabwe. From Stuart Weir and Piers Edwards in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.